Hello, and welcome to Filled with His Love. Of all the passages in the New Testament, I think that Matthew 5 has the most potential to draw us closer to the Savior in verses 21 through 48. The stories in the New Testament hold our attention, and they're beautiful and inspiring. But in Matthew 5, Jesus teaches us how to become more like him in only a few verses. He tells us that he came not to replace the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, but to fulfill them. And what does that mean? Well, he begins by saying, quote, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother, without a cause, shall be in danger of the judgment. So we might conclude that if someone else makes us mad, it's okay. It's only bad to get angry if no one else provokes us to anger. But wait a minute. A better translation is found in Third Nephi. And oops, that excuse seems to have evaporated. In Third Nephi it reads, But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother shall be in danger of his judgment. The phrase, without a cause, disappeared. My interpretation is that we should avoid anger, at least the kind that leads to lashing out at someone else. Jesus' message is that words can kill our spirit just as a bullet can kill our body. But you might say the scriptures say that God gets angry, that sometimes his anger is kindled against us, quote, I do not believe that the phrase means that God lashes out in rage. It means that he's frustrated that we do not understand the meaning of Christ's atonement and the power of his mercy and grace. My good friend, Terry Warner, says that the source of relational anger is self-betrayal. He argues that people sometimes turn to anger in selfish justification of thoughts or behaviors. In such cases, individuals act in ways that betray personal values, and instead of correcting their own mistaken perspectives, individuals feel anger and blame it on some other person or object. Anger and blame then create contention that can plant the seed for ongoing relational conflict. So I'll bring it a little closer to home. Actually, so close that it's in my home. Last night, our furnace stopped working. The temperature outside dropped into the single digits. At one time, it got down to one degree. And our inside temp, of course, kept dropping. I looked online and called a heating and air conditioning company that said they had, quote, emergency service. I like the term emergency because at 4 a.m., our house was getting colder and colder. When I got the answering service, the receptionist said, Yes, we could have someone to your home between 8 a.m. and noon. I said, well, I said, don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining, but what does emergency service mean? She said, uh, you'll need to ask the service rep that when he gets to your home. I can't answer that question. <laughs> so that was our conversation. I wasn't really angry. It was, it was kind of funny to me. But I, w I was a little frustrated at trying to find somebody to help with this problem. I could have lashed out at her and said, wait just a minute, I thought you gave emergency service. I could have hung up on her. Lots of ways I could have been very angry. But I would have been, in those cases, betraying myself, as Terry Warner said. I would have been going against my own beliefs and values. When the Lord said, love one another, he didn't say, unless they let you down or unless they fail to do what you want them to do. 
he said love one another, everyone. In fact, later in Matthew 5, Jesus says we should even love those who wrong us. Quote, ye have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you. This is an amazing passage to me. Love our enemy, even those who disagree with us, even those who try to cheat us out of money. Think of the effect this one bit of counsel would have on the world if we followed it. No more war between Russia and the Ukraine. The Book of Mormon teaches us very clearly that enemies can be turned into friends. The Lamanites who joined the church after Ammon and his brethren taught them the gospel began to love those they once hated. They did not betray themselves. They lived up to the highest in them. Once they had received the gospel, once they, in a sense, took the covenant, made the covenant with God, they did not let their dark side overcome the light of Christ that was within them. So, what should we do when we get frustrated or upset with someone else, or if we know that someone is upset with us? Matthew 5 again provides the answer. 23, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there, and there when you're at the altar, rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, Leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, then come and offer thy gift. This is so powerful to me. In today's language, if I go to the temple and then I remember that someone feels that I have wronged them, I should leave the temple and go see the one I know has ill feelings toward me and settle the difference. Of course, the reverse is also true. If I have bad feelings toward someone else, I should go resolve the dispute before going to the temple and worshiping there. When my wife and I were serving as temple president and matron, I was standing in the hallway one day, ready to close the door just before an endowment session was ready to begin, and a brother exited the endowment room and motioned for me to close the door, leaving him in the hallway with me. I kind of first thought, well, maybe he has a health problem and he needs my help with that health problem. That happens from time to time. But he turned to me and he said, I can't be in the same session as that brother on the back row. In other words, he was saying he had ought with his brother, and he couldn't resolve the dispute inside the endowment room, so he would wait for the next session. Of course, the ideal solution would have been for both of them to exit and meet in private and resolve their differences. When anger enters a relationship, or when there is an unresolved dispute, there is self-betrayal going on. We're not rising to the highest in us. We're not showing love to everyone. We're allowing our dark side to rule. But when love rules, when reconciliation occurs, when tempers subside, we draw closer to God and to each other. We let the dark side go and turn to the light. So when anger builds up, slow down, reconsider, breathe deeply, and then talk your frustration through in a reasoned and calmed way. This is actually totally based on research, all those suggestions I just gave you. That's anger management in a nutshell. The frustration would have served its purpose. Even if when you get frustrated, 
I mean, that frustration can serve a purpose. It can bring you to resolution. And we all need more of that in our lives. And how did the furnace turn out? Well, the repairman thought he had fixed it, fired up the furnace, and no heat came out of the registers. He was all ready to give us a bill and take off, but then he had to recheck it, and the motor had given out. So that meant that we had to replace the whole motor and its housing, which instead of costing $100 for a house call, it was going to cost $1,700. And we'll need to wait a week for the part because, of course, post-COVID, parts are not available very quickly. But we're going to California tomorrow, so we'll let the house stay cool for a week. I think it's going to survive. And then I just look at it and I say, that's mortality. And I know that you're enjoying mortality like we are. So hope to see you next time.